everyone. Thank you for being with us today. I understand you noticed a change in music. For each episode, we will change the theme based on the weight of the investigation so far. We will begin with Ukraine. Following our discussion on the Ukraine issue, a great deal has taken place. It's true we all sympathize with Ukraine, however, the amount of money we are spending is simply astronomical. A few days ago, we sent a $40 billion aid package to Ukraine, and I don't think I need to explain why that's not a good idea. First of all, it's not cost-effective at all, and if we aren't helping our own citizens, then how do we expect to help them? And second of all, there aren't many incidents that have taken place yet, so there isn't really a point in protecting them. By the way, we're inserting ourselves into a problem that we have no place in and that we shouldn't have a place in. Knowing Russia is an established frenemy, we shouldn't really be dealing with any of their enemies. That's just going to make our position even harder to maintain, which I don't think is a very good thing. Obviously, there must have been some ethical error in our judgment to send $40 billion to Ukraine if we can't even fix a myriad of financial crises we have here in the US, which by the way aren't getting any better. I also want to make it clear the enemy they face is constantly being scrutinized, so we shouldn't add to that, especially knowing how important Russia is to our economy. Russia has a rigid system of supplying oil to almost every nation within the EU. They supply almost 40% of oil to Europe. That's a crazily high number for a single country supplying oil to an entire continent. It's not like we can ask the Middle East for help. Once this Ukraine mess is over, Russia will simply withhold its oil, which means more inflation for the oil industry. For the regular citizens, that translates into higher oil prices. Nobody wants to see 3 to $4 gas on their streets. So what we have to do is play it safe. So my core point here is, quietly uphold our support. When we're facing a national economic downturn, we must do whatever we can to keep our economy flowing. Tone down the support for Ukraine, and we can benefit greatly in the oil industry. It's the perfect plan, a plan that President Biden isn't following, which leads me to our next segment, all about him. Landing in South Korea, taking his first trip to Asia since taking office, hoping to reinforce Indo-Pacific ties amid their Ukraine war. The first leg of his trip, touring a Samsung plant, advocating economic security as the U.S. continues to fight global supply chain disruptions caused by the pandemic. The trip comes at a critical time for Biden's foreign policy as the region continues to grapple with China's rising influence and threats of nukes from North Korea. That was a quick clip on ABC's coverage of Joe Biden's trip to South Korea. With China growing in all of their influence throughout Asia and North Korea with all of these threats, it's getting a bit ridiculous. Why would he visit someone who North Korea is threatening when he knows that we have an established friendship with them after the Trump visit? Why would he go to South Korea and simply make it look bad for all of us. Um, I don't think that was the best political move. If he was trying to make a statement or a political statement, which I'm sure he wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but if he was trying to do that, it certainly wouldn't work if you're going to visit a Samsung plant. 
maybe if you took a, a professional press conference documenting all of your new accolades to um, President Yoon, maybe that would have worked out better. All of his speeches aren't very well written, so I don't know why he gave a speech there. But I think what he should have done was had a normal press conference like every other president and simply document his accolades, although he does not have many. I think he should have done that, and I think that would have made more of an impact than going to a Samsung plant and making a terrible speech, as he always does. President Biden has also pledged to lower energy costs when that is simply ridiculous. I don't think he's ever going to do that, but he has apparently has plans to carry out um, on doing that. I don't believe that it is possible for him to do. Um, the Supreme Court certainly hasn't made any efforts to do so because I haven't seen any bills um, on the floor of the House that are proposed by any Democrat trying to lower any energy costs. And by the way, how are we going to do that? We, we already lost Russia and we don't really have a lot of oil here ourselves because all of our drilling sites aren't getting enough government aid and neither are the oil companies which is going to make it harder for us to lower prices by the way we don't have a lot of oil once again because of the russia issue they hold all the oil they control the eu which in turn controls our economy now look we do have a lot of drilling sites but most of the companies in america don't really have enough money right now to drill at all. If we don't have enough money to drill, and if we don't have any oil, then what can we do to make profit? The only option is to hire prices. All we have to do is make prices higher. That's it. We know it's not good for people, but that's what they have to do. Because if they want to continue to be the biggest gas giants on planet Earth, then they have to higher prices. They have to make their prices higher. And that's the only choice they have. And with Biden pledging these empty promises and, and doing nothing all day, it's not going to help. Making meaningless speeches, saying meaningless words, posting on your Twitter, that's not going to work. Tweeting all day is not going to do anything, and I think, and I don't think he realizes that, and his team certainly doesn't, because they, they've been saying the same thing they said ever since he got into office, the same things, and they haven't been upholding their promises, and that's not reputable for any president. If Donald Trump did the same thing, I would have said the same thing about him, but he hasn't. So, all I have to say is, him and his entire administration have been doing absolutely terrible. And I'm not just saying the White House, I'm saying everyone, Congress, Supreme Court, everyone. Because the Democrats control Capitol Hill now, they control the White House now, they control Supreme Court now, so they can't blame us anymore. It's their problem. On with our next segment on another familiar figure of the Biden family, 
Hunter Biden. Hunter's lies and actions stretch far beyond the realm of sanity, but this has got to be the most damaging to his reputation. Over 120,000 emails from Hunter Biden's laptop were leaked to the public three days ago. These emails were leaked by former Trump aide Garrett Ziegler. This leak was unbeknownst to Mr. Trump, of course, but unfortunately, the media has portrayed Mr. Trump as a figure behind this. The main story is awful enough, but Hunter's dealings with strange foreign countries and companies have finally caught up with him, and I think it's completely just that this leak has occurred. Everyone's been doubting the credibility of everyone saying that Hunter Biden was a crook, but obviously through these 120,000 emails, we can clearly see how much of a crook he really is. Just like his father, I see. But I personally believe that this is an act of justice. If anyone could do it, it could have been a Trump aide, and it could have been a Biden aide. Honestly, it could have been a sabotage. But we all know for sure that Biden, Hunter Biden, who once tried to snatch his dead brother's wife after his brother died, has finally came out and has done something awful and has been revealed doing something awful. And now we all can bask in the greatness of his awful and terrible downfall which I, for one, am very happy about. Thank you all for joining me, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Chatter on the Skull, Investigative Politics.